and welcome into another great edition of Strong Style. I'm your host, Jeremy the Impact York. I'm so glad to be back. I'm so glad to be able to talk to you about everything we're going to talk about today. Let me remind you that Strong Style is Impact Media's weekly venture into the world of uh, combat sports, which is mixed martial arts and pro wrestling. Combat sports are a lot of other things. Sometimes we talk boxing. Sometimes we talk other things. Today we're going to talk a lot of pro wrestling and a lot of MMA because we have a fun announcement coming up. We will uh, get into that a little later. But as I said, I'm Jeremy the Impact York. Always good to be back. We'll get to MMA later on in the show. I want to start with wrestling because... In the time since we last talked, a lot has happened. Now, I'm going to start with the pay-per-views because we had Hell in a Cell, which we're going to start with. Uh, NXT had their In Your House event. AEW had Double or Nothing. And uh, then we will get into the, uh, the uh, headlines, major stories, because WWE... As a couple major stories. AEW decided they didn't want to be left out of the, the bunch. They they have a, a couple massive, massive stories that impact a lot of things going forward. And you can't leave out New Japan. You can't leave out Impact Wrestling. I mean, they've got Slammiversary coming up on the 19th. Yeah, on the 19th. That's two weeks away. So, without further ado, let's just get right into it. Oh, as my producers are yelling at me again, they should. I, I deserve it. This time, just like Ross Chastain, I, I brought this on me. Another show, I know. If you would like to follow the show at Team Impact Media on Twitter, we'll get you all the show uh, links and things like that. We're working on a bigger website, but for now, Twitter is doing pretty good. At the Impact 99, you will find me on all the social medias. That includes Triller. That includes Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I'm on all those. And, of course, you can just look for us on Facebook, Impact Media, Jeremy York, Strong Style, Board Check, That Sports Show, all of that good stuff. And also, anywhere you find a podcast, you should be able to find us. We have some fun stuff coming up. Through, I can't get into it much, but we're going to be enhancing this show starting next week. I think you guys are going to like it. I hope you do. I'm excited. Let's start with Hell in a Cell. We'll get to the biggest news at the end of that, because that will lead us into one of our topics. Uh, let's just start with the results. The Women's Championship, the Raw Women's Championship, Bianca Belair, it's a champ coming in versus Becky Lynch versus Ashka. I think we all kind of knew they're not ready to get behind Ashka again right now because she just came back. Becky's been back a little longer. We want to see Bianca versus Becky. And that's where this is pretty much headed because towards the end of this, Bianca gets the pin on Ashka. This is a pretty good match. I, I'll give it to, to open the show. You usually want your opener to be your second strongest match. I say that all the time. 
Uh, this this was close to being the second best. It, on paper, second best. Overall, it was second or third. It was, probably was. Uh, Bianca, like I said, gets the pin. She moves on. They make it where Becky doesn't take the pin. That way, moving forward, they can continue to push this. Bianca versus Becky needs to happen, and uh, Becky needs to get the title back. They can, they can eventually move it if they want, but for now, Raw needs to keep pushing Becky Lynch as the, I don't want to say matriarch, because that means like motherly figure, as the the leader going forward, we'll put it that way. But a solid match. A lot of people liked it. I liked it. It was, it was solid. It was good. There was, uh, there, was, there was a lot of highs. There wasn't a lot of lows. And you get three really, really good performers. Notice I did not attach a gender to that because male or female, these are three really, really good performers. Um... Uh, good for Lashley over Omos and Omos and uh, MVP. I've yet to figure out what they're doing with that, except for just wasting time because uh, it's not really building Bobby. It's not doing anything for MVP whatsoever. And uh, it's not helping Omos. It's uh, it is a tile grout. That's what it is. Not even tiles, tile grout. That moved us to what I, I, I really liked this match a lot, but I'm a big fan of both guys. Kevin Owens took on Ezekiel. Not Elias. Ezekiel, his brother. What a great story this is. Uh, the fact that Kevin Owens can get so unglued about it is is even better. Uh, this was a really, really good match. Obviously, Kevin Owens is going to get the, the uh, victory, the clean victory in this. And this this could continue to, to grow. It, it could be even bigger. I think you, you've got to keep up the, the Ezekiel stuff. And uh, th- this has got to continue. I, I think even though you've got Sami Zayn ingrained in the other in, in the SmackDown side of things, I, I think you find a way to put Sami Zayn in the middle of this. Maybe he tries to help Kevin out one week or something like that because that's one way to really just pump this thing up, put some air in the balloon for sure. Because when it bursts, it's going to be great. Like I said, KO gets the victory. Ezekiel, outstanding wrestler. Kevin Owens, one of the best performers by far. And to be in the middle of the card, it more than definitely what it needed to do. It, it's, it arguably might have been the second or third best match. That and the triple threat that we just talked about, women's match, those are really good. Uh, then we get AJ Styles, Finn Balor, and Liv Morgan. Nice little trio. Versus Judgment Day. Baffles me that you name a faction after a the name of a pay-per-view you used for a long time. I, I don't know. I think they're just running out of names finally. Which is Edge, Damian Priest, and Rhea Ripley. Six quality, above-average performers. I would say they are all in the A category when they are on. The group things are fine. I I think we should see more solo matches between them. Uh, You know, have AJ versus Edge, have Finn Balor versus Damian Priest, have Liv Morgan versus Rhea Ripley on singles, and you could do mixed, you've done mixed tags and stuff like that, but kind of split it up if you're going to keep pushing this, because if you're going to build Judgment Day into a faction, they need to act like a faction. 
which means they need to take on more factions, other factions, other groups. If they're picking on these people, that's fine. But where are you going with it? And that's that's just where I'm at with it. I, I like all six competitors. I just want to know, have an idea where this is going. Right now, they're they're in one of those traffic roundabouts, you know, the big circles where you just keep circling till you figure out actually where your exit really is. You just kind of right now it's kind of riding a carousel. We just keep going in circles. I don't know. I don't know where they're going. Judgment Day won that one, by the way. Great. Uh, Madcap Monster going Happy Corbin. It was a no-holds-barred match. They are basically trying to drop the funny stuff from Madcap Moss, which is a good sign because, remember, that's what they did with Big E. He stopped doing the New Day stuff and, and the jumping around and the, the jubilant attitude and, and fun you know quirkiness. And he went on a title run. Not saying Madcap Moss is, but he could. He could. And, and I hate that they're doing it at Corbin's expense, but Corbin kind of knows his role with the company, and, and he does a really good job with it. Um, he does a really good job grilling, too. You guys should follow him on Instagram. But they're trying to push Moss. They really like Moss. You can't keep calling him Madcap Moss. They're going to do something about that. We will uh, get into that next week. A little bit, maybe, if, if it's that important. I mean, for the most part, though, uh, they show the, the seriousness and the brutal side of Moss. And Moss, I think, he's going to be a fan favorite for a while, but I think he could be a really good heel if you wanted him to be. So, uh, Moss gets the win, as he should. It, it was a good, I think most people call it a brawl. That's basically what it was. It was, uh, it was just anything goes brawl. It was good. It's it's did exactly what it needed to. Austin Theory versus uh, I don't know if it's Mustafa Ali or Mustafa. Either way, uh, he's a guy who actually went to high school with uh, one of my wife's cousins. Apparently, he saw him on TV one day and said, "Yeah, I know that guy." So hey, that's kind of cool. He is from Chicago. His whole story is baffling. Because he was all but gone. He was trying to get himself basically fired. And then suddenly he came back. I don't know if he got a new contract. I don't know what happened. But suddenly he came back. And all Theory and The Miz have done is make fun of him for it. Which is warranted. But uh, I really thought this was a chance for Ali to get the United States belt. To get it off of Theory. Even, even if the next night on Raw he took it back. Theory is a U.S. champ has not lived up to the billing. It's not helping the championship at all. If anything, it's not really helping Theory either. He doesn't need the belt for the things he's doing. So, but this is a good match. This is two guys that talent-wise are, are similar as far as uh, where their levels are. Theory does win this match. Um, and he won by pinfall, which doesn't help Ali. So now what do you do? Do they continue their feud? Do uh, they, You should have had something nefarious in there to continue this because now they're both right back in just halfway out the plank, basically. Yeah, they're going to come back in. They're going to jump off. What are they going to do? But a uh, solid match. I'll give them that. Now we get to what is going to be a talking point because it's already a talking point. Apparently, sometime 
early last or late last week, Cody Rhodes tore, partially tore his, I think, right pectoral muscle. Similar to the way John Cena did a couple years ago. This is a different kind of tear, though, apparently. Cena's was clean off the bone. Something weird's going on with Cody's. Which is why on a couple house shows, Drew McIntyre stepped in to face Seth Rollins in some matches. And Cody just came out to uh, kind of chase Seth around. It's fine. Um, so they meet in Hell in a Cell. Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins. I would arguably say the number two and number three talents in the company right now. Behind Roman, obviously, who was just on another planet. So, Cody's hurt. So, you do one of two things. Either you put him on the shelf and you do something different, but you've invested so much in this, you need the payoff. So, Cody says, I'm going to wrestle. And he did. In fact, Seth came out in the dusty polka dots that I... Great move. Great. I'm sure Cody actually appreciated it. He's going to act ticked off, but sure definitely appreciate it. Uh, so they, this is a side of Cody. This is part of his repertoire that we've seen Dustin, his, his older brother, do it. His dad, Dusty, was notorious for doing it, wrestling hurt, uh, just proving, I hate to say how tough, because it's, if you're hurt, you really shouldn't try to push things. But in this case, he decided, not only am I here to perform, I'm here to show you why I'm one of the best on the planet. And he is. Because he goes out there with a partially torn pectoral, probably fully rips it while he's doing all the stuff they're doing. They did such a great job of, uh, of centering around it. And then not centering around it, you know, not making the entire focus. Uh, just between kendo sticks and all the other stuff. Bull ropes. This looked to me like Cody was giving the ultimate compliment to his dad. You know, uh, to, to the American Dream Dusty Rhodes. This was like the ultimate artfully done ode to the American Dream Dusty Roads by having the most Dusty Roads match you could. The bull rope, the kendo stick, the wrestling while you're banged up, the, uh, you know, just going out there to outperform anybody who thinks that they can outperform you. And they did. I mean, this, when the main event lives up to the hype, you're just overjoyed. It very rarely does it. I hear lately Roman Reigns has, has done his part. A couple of the others have done, you know. But this was a pay-per-view with no Roman, who's the undisputed, undisputed champ. In fact, the undisputed championship not being featured. The tag team champions, the Usos, the undisputed champions, they're not on the show. Paul Heyman, not on the show. Brock Lesnar, not on the show. These are usually the blank checks that they have rode with over the past year. They just showed you that life with Roman, life without Roman, whatever, life without Brock, life with Brock. It's great to have those people. If you don't have them or you decide to give them a little bit of time off like this, 
You don't necessarily have to need them. Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins absolutely painted uh, the most perfect Mona Lisa, Sistine Chapel. Name your favorite uh, dogs playing poker. It could be your favorite work of art. The statue of David, whatever. Just name your favorite. Maybe it's the Outcast mural down in Little Five Points. We were just talking about that earlier before the show. This, like I said, was the most Dusty Rhodes match I've ever seen. And I, I'd, I'd watch it all day, every day. In fact, had they not hit the remotes from me before we started this show, I would probably have it on again here. That's probably why they <laughs> took the remotes. But they doubled down on this. I do know the following Raw. Uh, I, I haven't watched it, but I've seen this clip. Uh, they doubled down on it again, and uh, Seth, I think, tried to help fully tear, fully tear the pectoral off of Cody, so that uh, it's it's a cleaner repair. You don't just want you don't just want a partial. You, you just want to go ahead and tear it. It's a lot of injuries are that way because that way all you do you go in, you clean it up, you reattach it. Good to go. Shelf life on this. You're looking. You look probably nine, ten, eleven, maybe twelve months. You're hoping to have him back for WrestleMania because he's probably the guy that was going to eventually knock Roman off because it makes the most sense. If if anybody was, I have no problem with Roman running with it. So Cody Rhodes gone. You know wrestlers are different. Sometimes they John Cena, Edge, all those they always came back a little early when they're cleared when they're when they're better. I would say I would say you will probably see Cody Rhodes in seven or eight months. He may be wrestling. In eight. I know we said nine to twelve. I think seven or eight you could potentially see him. Because before we get into NXT, let's let's go with the other big thing. You know, last time I was on I told you we're not sure if Roman Reigns is gonna stick around. Well, not confirmed, but I, I heard he signed an extension. And no I'm not gonna talk about the people who decided to quit. I understand they're trying to stand up for their beliefs. It's the only people hanging like that. There's, there's other ways to do that. Uh, I wish them all the best on their future endeavors because unless they work it into a storyline, which I don't see happening, then um, probably the last I've seen of them. Now, that being said, uh, Roman size the extension. So now the thing is you have Roman Reigns. What do you do? Who's the guy without Cody who you try to push as a contender to take Roman out? Well, Seth Rollins. The problem with that is you've already done it once or twice, and you just uh, you didn't give Seth a fair shake. I'm not saying he should have won or had to win, nothing like that. You've got to do something different with Seth. Um, if Seth wanted to come out and say, oh, in the fallen... Hero Cody Rhodes' honor. I've 
promise to beat Roman Reigns. Okay. That could work. But if not, you're just back into a corner again where Roman really has no real competition. And Seth Rollins is back in this weird gray area that he just seems to live in. Because no Randy Orton. Uh, Riddle's not a, a big enough contender. I mean, outside of Sami Zayn pulling off some crazy shenanigan. Who is big enough to beat Roman? Nobody. Nobody at all. So, we'll see what they do from that. I'm pretty sure Roman signed the extension. I, I have it on pretty good authority. I do not know the numbers. don't care about the numbers. I just care that he is sticking around. I don't think he's going to go to AUW. I think he's enjoying what he's doing. And needs to keep doing all right, let's go to NXT. In your house, uh, I'm going to kind of go through some of it quickly. Uh, you have Legado del Fantasma versus Tony D'Angelo, uh, Troy, Two Dimes, Donovan, and Channing Stacks Lorenzo. The loser of this had to join the other faction. Pretty good match. Obviously, LDF is a way better trio. Tony D'Angelo is uh, solid. Uh, two dimes and stacks are still a little green, but they're not bad. They, they definitely didn't stink to join up. But uh, in the end, LDF is now a part of Tony D'Angelo's uh, crew. I don't know what that means. Now we have a, a seven-person crew. I couldn't tell you what that means. Um, we get the women's tag team title match, Caden Carter and Katana Chance, KC Squared as I like to call them, versus Gigi Dolan and JC Chain. Here is the problem that NXT is having before I even get into that match. The problem they have is that uh, Toxic Attraction was doing great until they're just kind of coasting now. There's no real buzz about the tag division because everybody they put against them is a made-up tag team that they just throw together so they can beat somebody until now. Because Caden Carter and Katana Chance are the best tag team they have down there in the women's division. We know that. If you don't, now you do. Uh, Dolan and Jane are not bad. It's just... There's no buzz around the tag titles. There's not a lot of hype around the women's heavy or the women's you know main championship. Just uh, you you gotta do something different now. You, there's just not a lot of buzz, not a lot of hype. Once again, toxic attraction wins, so they've beaten every team down there, some of them multiple times. You you kind of could use a little bit of, of of a kick on SmackDown and bring them up there, but it just if they keep beating everybody, they're not the best down there. They are not. They're just the ones that keep winning, and they're, and they're they're it's just starting to look cheap. I'll just put it that way. It's starting to look cheap. Dodge Jackson wins. Uh, once again, KC squared is up for a big a big um, match because they don't push them as singles at all. I don't know why you wouldn't slide them the titles here, even if they lost them the following Tuesday. But 
I don't know. Gets the North American title match, Carmelo Hayes versus Cameron Grimes. Carmelo Hayes, very, very underrated. Cameron Grimes is starting to be appreciated now. That dude just shines every time the lights are on. That being said, Carmelo Hayes gets his NXT North American Championship back. I have no idea what that means. I do know that uh, Solo Sokoa is looking forward to facing uh, whoever won that match. So maybe they thought Sokoa versus Hayes was a better matchup than Cameron Grimes Sokoa. The good guy, good guy. Okay, I can see that. But um, good for good for uh, Carmelo Hayes. Solid performer. As we get random computer updates. Uh, women's title match. Wendy Chu versus Mandy Rose. Big fan of Wendy Chu. I don't know what she did to qualify for this match. But uh, Mandy Rose wins. It was a decent match. Just once again. What do you do? It just they're not building any contenders up for any of the titles. And uh, they just kind of don't continue the thought that they're trying to do with, with these matchups. It's just kind of shenanigans. It's it's almost the old TNA wrestling days where just ridiculously goofy backstage shenanigans lead to a title match where the title doesn't move and never looks like it's in jeopardy. NXT's got to get their act together. Get the tag title match, the Creed Brothers versus Pretty Deadly. It was weird that Pretty Deadly come over from UK, immediately took the titles. They're a good team. Just the American audience has no idea who they are. This was uh, kind of my issue until NXT, you know, was moved to USA because I just always forgot that I could go on WWE.com or the app or something and watch it. I didn't know anything about NXT. Now that's on TV. You can really introduce these these uh, superstars to people, and they can get behind them. Because not everybody's going to be on the on the streaming side of things. They stream Netflix and Hulu and all the other stuff. They a lot of times forget to stream WWE, or it's part of another package. But this was a good match. The Creed Brothers, I think, should have been champs probably for the last six months. They they are really good. I don't think they need Diamond Mine. Um. I do feel like Diamond Mine's newest member, that eventually his his brother is going to join that. If you don't know who his brother is, go look it up. I'm not talking about Roderick Strong, so go check that out. This is a pretty good, solid match. The Creed Brothers showing how strong they are, pretty deadly showing how conniving they are. That's what I like about them. They, they're not afraid to just take the low road and uh, classic tag team shenanigans. I'm going to use that word again. Uh, but in the end, we get our wish. The Creed Brothers, your new tag team champions. Roderick Strong had told him, hey, if you don't win the titles, you're not allowed back in Diamond Mine. As I kind of tell him, take a hike anyway. But you don't need them. But uh, good for the Creed Brothers. I, I'm very excited about that. And then we get this. They have nailed this. They have hit it so far out of the park. Uh, we're talking Reggie Jackson home run. It may not have landed yet. NXT title match, Braun Breaker defends against Joe Gacy. The more I see Joe Gacy wrestle and perform and just be on screen, the bigger the fan I become of him. 
Now they completely took his, his henchmen away, and now he's got some hooded guys to help him out here and there, which is fine, because you can just use random people all the time and not need a established person. But we know Braun. We know Braun very much... Um, Looks like his dad, wrestles like his uncle. Did you guys know who he is by now? Steiner Brothers, obviously. He he very much, the Braun Breaker character is more Big Papa Pump than Dogface Gremlin. We know that. And he does it really, really good. Really good. At some point, they're going to have to take the title off of him. I think he could do some other things. Uh, before he eventually gets called up. There's no room for him right now. He, he got lost in the shuffle. NXT is where he needs to be. But these two, to show the story that they have where Gacy gets in your head and he kidnapped his dad and he uh, tried to melt the Hall of Fame ring and do all the stuff he's done. Breaker doing a good job of, of showing how how kind of deeply emotional he can get into things, which which is a whole other side. Instead of big, strong, you know, headstrong guy, nothing can mess with him. No, it's showing that he's human. He's showing that other side already. I definitely like it. This thing goes back and forth. Just absolutely incredible. In the end, Ron Breaker gets the win. Um, just a, this is one of the best NXT matches Possibly of the year. And uh, I think it could actually continue. I know he's now 2-0 versus Gacy. This this could go another month. Whether you get Gacy to win or not at that point. Which I kind of hate. Because when Gacy gets out of this feud, where does he go? I wouldn't mind seeing him as a run with the champ. I know I said that last time. But I very much, very much appreciate what they're doing with this. Uh, and that was in your house. Otherwise, mm, Damon Kemp is the guy, uh, by the way, who I'm talking about from Diamond Mine. Uh, the breakout tournament has been fantastic for the women's division. Clearly, when you get the injury to, uh, to Nikita Lyons, she was probably going to win the tournament, which changed everything. And so you, you put Tiffany Stratton in. Her and Waller as a pair, I am liking. Taking Waller's henchman away was a good thing. He seems like a good, a good, solid figure going forward, doing some other stuff. But, uh, you know, Stratton versus uh, Roxanne Perez in the finals. That's, that's going to be fun. Was there anything else? No, nothing else with NXT, really. So, let's go to... Let's go to AEW Double or Nothing. Let's go there. WWE, they got some other stuff. We'll get into some of that next week. But those, those are kind of the big things that, that I'm looking at. So, let's go to... See, it just had it. 
Is on the other one? Can we find it? Huh. I had it pulled up and it just disappeared. So. All right, well, anyway, double or nothing. Once again, lives up to the hype. Double or nothing has been a big pay-per-view for them. Uh, and once again, they had a very similar thing happen to one of their feature matches that, um, that WWE had. But we will get into that in a minute. Let's start first with uh, the opening match was Hookhausen versus Tony Nese and Mark Sterling. They're going to push this Hookhausen team, which is interesting. It's Danhausen and Hook. This is a fun team that everybody's going to get behind, and uh, it shows another side of Hook. It gives Danhausen something to do. Unlikely duo, but uh, outside of a tag title run, the, the sky's the limit with these guys. They, they, they're very good performers, and uh, Nisa and Mark Sterling made them look pretty good. Obviously, Hookhausen wins. MJF versus Wardlow. If Wardlow wins, he gets his uh, his contract and freedom. Of course, he wins. MJF did a fantastic job of painting Wardlow out to be just uh, the stallion hero. Uh, just shows how good MJF is. We'll get to him in a minute, I promise you. That is the biggest thing out of, there are two big things out of there we'll get to. Uh, but Wardlow wins, he gets his freedom. The Young Bucks took on the Hardys. Wow. The Hardys looked atrocious. They looked old, out of shape, like they had completely lost any mojo they've had recently. I'd heard they're kind of on their, their farewell tour here soon anyway. Oof. Hopefully, the last match looks better than that. Uh, the Young Bucks did everything they could to carry the Hardys through this match. The Young Bucks are still one of the best teams on the planet. And for that reason, they are one of the best teams on the planet because they drug the Hardys through just the most awfulest mud hole, sinkhole mud hole you've ever seen in your life. Uh, Young Bucks win. Thank goodness they moved on from this immediately. The Young Bucks are already doing something else. Um, Jade Cargill beat Anna Jay. Eh. No build-up, no nothing. Cargill is just going to keep beating people until they come up with somebody to beat her. And uh, I still think she's super green. I I, I don't get the hype. I'm just... I, she's an okay talent. She's not bad. She doesn't crap through matches. She's she's uh, decent. Just not... I, I don't know why they're pushing her with that title. I just, that's what I don't get in a match that always lives up to the hype. House of Black versus Death Triangle. Ray Phoenix, Pac, and Penta Escuro is what he's going by now. Versus Malachi Black. Um, Brody King. And... Yeah, Murphy. Murphy's the other guy. Uh... Fantastic. And, the, and these six have wrestled so much with each other. 
it's it's like knowing exactly what the other they're so familiar with each other they know how to to counter it it was just such a great matchup that you're like i need a twist i need some reason why this is not going to be like all the other ones and end one of two ways either this side gets the advantage and the other one pulls it out or this or the other ones get the advantage and then they pull it out enter Enter the new option. WWE, take note. This is how you shake up a faction, and this is how you foreshadow something, and then act like it's not going to happen, and then have it just be the candles on the cake. It's not even the icing on the cake. It's the candles. It's the ones on top. It lit the place up. Julia Hart who was blinded by Malachi Black, I don't know, six months ago. Now she's kind of went into this phase where she's, she's kind of, is, is she on the dark side? And then she's not on the dark side. And then, like, nothing happened the week before that. She comes down. She catches Pac, spits mist into his eyes. It allows House of Black to win. And now they have the fourth member. And it's a female. And it's Julia Hart, who is only going to be leaps and bounds better and get way better with her craft from being around three of the best. Just outside the box wrestlers you can learn from. Love it. House of Black now with four members. Love it. And I don't think Death Triangle is going to add a random girl so they can do that. now. I think Death Triangle is going to move on and do some other stuff, which is fine. We get the Owen Hart Foundation Tournament Final for the men. Samoa Joe versus Adam Cole. These are two of the best uh, indie style wrestlers there are for sure and there's nothing wrong with indie style I don't want to paint it out like oh you're not WWE style no I prefer this style a lot uh, Samoa Joe definitely on the back end of his career but he can still go and Adam Cole pushed him and drug him around everywhere uh, and eventually Adam Cole ends up with the victory as he should Adam Cole also got a little dinged up during the match. He's going to be out for a couple weeks. I hear he should be back soon, but good for Adam Cole. Of all the people that were in that tournament, the most Owen Hart-like person in the men's side of the bracket was Adam Cole. And I know you can't have a memorial tournament if the person's still here, but if Owen was here, he'd be an Adam Cole fan. In fact, I would love to see that match. Uh, Samoa Joe is still the TV champ for Ring of Honor. Still a great talent. I want to see some fun stuff. Uh, we knew he wasn't going to win, though, because not only was it Adam Cole, but you got you got all the uh, Jay Lethal stuff that he's doing, the Sanjay Dutt, and it's it's like a TNA reunion. But uh, good for Adam Cole. So we go to the women's side. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD versus Ruby Soho. So this would be the third different achievement they were they put Ruby so Ruby Soho in line for and the third she's over three because Dr. Britt Baker once again as Adam Cole is the most Owen Hart like person in the men's bracket Dr. Britt Baker is the most female Owen Hart like person for sure uh, Ruby Soho is really good it was fantastic to see the band Rancid play her um, ring music as she made to the as she came to the ring. It was also cool that Fozzie's guitarist played Dr. Britt Baker's. Anytime you can kind of 
blur those lines and, and get another entertainment sector in there, you've done a fantastic job. Uh, this is a really good match. These these two absolutely know what they're doing. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, gets the win. So the happy couple, Adam Cole and Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, yes, they are an actual couple. They both win the Owen Hart uh, tournaments. And you get a belt with it, which is really cool. So uh, it'd be fun to see what they do there. Uh, they probably won't defend those belts, but being the tournament champions, I look forward to every year seeing these tournaments. This this was just a great show of talent, and it allows them to get all their people in because they're, they're overloaded with talent. Scorpio Sky, Ethan Page, and PVZ Page Van Zant took on Sammy Guevara, Frankie Kazarian, and Ty Conti. The right people won this match. Um, the more that they push the Ty Conti, Sammy Guevara, I think they're engaged now. Only Sammy Guevara could be engaged to uh, two different women within seven months. Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti should go heel very soon because the crowd's turning on. And Scorpio Sky, Ethan Page, and Paige Van Zandt. Her first wrestling match, she was not bad. I don't know if it's Ethan and Scorpio that are working with her. I don't know if it is Dustin Rhodes, which makes a lot of sense. But uh, whoever's working with her, she did not look like a green rookie. She looked pretty solid. And uh, I look forward to the things she's going to do. Obviously, her and Ty Conti will eventually have it out. There's some other stuff Paige could do that I think would be a little more enticing. So we'll see what they do with that. Obviously, Scorpio, Sky, Ethan Page, and PBZ win that match, as they should. Uh, it wasn't really a, a... It was a no-frills match, but I thought Page and Scorpio looked, uh, looked quite good in the match. We got Kyle O'Reilly versus Darby Allen. Basically, the, the last two people eliminated from the Owen tournament faced off. KOR is one of the best strikers in wrestling. And Darby Allen is just a powder keg of energy waiting to happen. Does, very Sabu-like, does not care what he has to do, inflict damage on you, including damaging himself. In the end, Kyle O'Reilly gets the win. Uh, felt like they could have gave us a little more in this match. It, maybe it's leading to something down the road. Maybe once Sting gets back, who is on the shelf as well. But uh, good win for Kyle. And Darby's at a point where he doesn't need to win matches to still be popular and good. We go to the AEW Women's Championship, Thunder Rosa versus Serena Deep. These are two people that know each other for a long time. They, uh, they had a pretty solid match. Thunder Rosa has a point when she says AEW is not featuring her enough on TV, even though she's the champ. I think the week after last week, they didn't have her on at all. That's kind of crazy. But uh, she defeats Serena Deeb as she should. They should be looking towards another opponent for Thunder Rosa. Um, eventually, somebody's going to come take the title off her. But good for Thunder Rosa. The Anarchy in the Arena was absolutely that between the Jericho Appreciate Society and Kingston Santana, Ortiz, Brian Daniels, and John Moxley. Uh, another train wreck, Blood and Guts. They're going to have a Blood and Guts match coming up. I, I don't know. I'm not big into those kind of matches. 
Uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, Jungle Express, are the tag team champions. They defended against Team Taz and Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. Once again, the tag division, as deep as it is with things like the Young Bucks, uh, teams like FTR, these are exceptional teams. And uh, instead, two random teams are in a tag match against the champs. Jungle Express wins. Match was me. Take it or leave it. Then we get the World Championship. Hangman, Adam Page versus CM Punk. I do agree. It was time to move the belt. I have no problem that it was to Punk. Punk wins. This is a really good match. Punk drew stuff out of Hangman that we had not really seen out of him, other sides of him. And Hangman took Punk to... He had to take him back into that other place when Punk used to be really on top. And, you know, these two beat the snob out of each other. And uh, it came off looking really, really well. It's not going to be a rematch in the foreseeable future, and I'll get to that in a second. CM Punk does win. Uh, it, it, was a, it was a good main event, good solid main event, good way to end the pay-per-view. And then now we get to the, I would say, second biggest story. And the second biggest because we're reading the first one. Second biggest story. CM Punk is injured. CM Punk is going to be out for a handful of months. CM Punk... He's going to heal, and he's going to come back. From the way they are portraying it, it seems like he is going to keep the belt, and they're going to basically make an interim belt. So you're you're thinking, okay, what tournament are they going to do? Well, this is not really a tournament more as it is a... It's it's very TNA-like. It's the way they're doing this, but I like it. It's What they're doing is on tonight's episode that's uh, currently on now, they are having a battle royal. The winner of the battle royal takes on the current number one contender, John Moxley. The winner of that, I believe, is the interim title holder that they may have defend a handful of times before CM Punk comes back to unify the belts. So, that's what they're doing. I don't have any clue who could win. Um, Moxley as champ right now would be a good call. Uh, there's only one other guy that would make sense. And I don't think he's allowed on television right now. And that, of course, is Maxwell Jacob Friedman, who, if you guys remember CM Punk's pipe bomb years ago, he came out with his own pipe bomb last week where he said some very real things about Tony Khan, about AEW, which is fine. Tony can take it. It's nothing like that. Uh, Warner Brothers, though, I believe, who has something to do with TNT and TBS, I think. I think maybe they own them. Due to the way he was portraying himself, they suggested that he be taken off all promotional things from AEW. Including the website, including uh, the intro to the shows that come on each week. And uh, I think he's currently not on the road with them. Now, if he was, if he's taking a break, then he's taking a break. But he did just put over Wardlow. But he came out and said some very real things. And if you want to see it, go back and see I'm sure it's all over the Internet. Um, he said some real things. He said about eight or nine words he's not supposed to say on television that were beeped out, which tells you that they 
possibly knew they were coming and that it's not a complete live show, which is fine. Raw, the first segment is, is usually, is usually, the first segment of Raw is usually live, and then everything else is about a five-minute buffer where they can catch things if they happen or completely shift if they need to. But what happened, uh, they end up cutting his mic like they do CM Punk's. People ask, do you think it's a work? Meaning, is it, is it part of the show? Or do you think it's real? And the answer to that question, I believe, is yes. Not Daniel Bryan, yes, just yes. I think he meant at least a majority of the things he said. I think they did know he was going to go out there and say a lot of those things. This has been brewing for a while. It's the big, the biggest thing is, is his contract is coming up. A lot of people think he's going to immediately jump over to WWE. He can't be MJF in WWE. They're going to water it down. He cannot be the master heel, the real heel he is being. So if he wants to change and do that, that's fine. And, uh, you know, a guy like that, He's, he's got the talent to do some really good things. He's only like 26, 27, somewhere in there. So I do, like I said, I, he said some very real things. I don't think Tony Khan had a problem with things he said. And I think they are playing this out and probably negotiating his contract as we speak. Where do we go moving forward? I think he's going to have to apologize to Warner Brothers. Beyond that, that's that's just AEW tying up a loose end. Beyond that, I think we're not going to see him for a couple weeks. And then we're, somehow he's going to integrate himself back in. I think him and Tony Khan being on screen at the same time might be a good thing. Uh, maybe Tony Khan picking uh, somebody to represent himself to go against MJF to some sort of dispute. But I think in the end, we're going to see MJF stick around AEW. I just don't see a reason why he would leave, and, and you don't let one of the best things in wrestling walk out the door. I just don't think you do. So that kind of ties up those those loose ends as far as that. Uh, I look forward to seeing tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite to see where it might go from there, but I would be willing to bet they may say something about MJF and they may not. I just I think they're going to kind of let it stew for a couple of weeks, and then uh, you see from there. Uh, real quickly, New Japan from last week. We had Dontaku Twenty Two. That was the name of their show. Where Bad Luck Fale, a little nephew, big Fale fan. I don't blame you. Fale's cool. Former rugby player, Bad Luck Fale, and Chase Owens from the Bullet Club. They become your new tag team champions as they defeated Yoshihashi and Goto and Jeff Cobb and Great Okan, who were the champs. This was a good, good, really good uh, triple threat match. So, um, then we had, all right, so here's what was going to happen. So, Sonata wins the... Sonata wins the uh, one of the championships over there. I think the maybe never open weight or the nor uh, I think they have a U.S. or something. I think it was a U.S. one. Sonata finally wins the big one. 
except for he hurts his orbital, one of his orbital bones, so he's going to be out for a little while. So you're like, crap. Sonata finally gets his big chance, and he's going to be out. So they say, no problem, because Sonata was going to face, uh, I think, Ishii. I think I think I get this right. There's a lot of moving parts. Uh, no, he's gonna, he was going to face uh, Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay runs his mouth says, hey, oh, well, now Sonata's out. Well, that's fine. I'll take on Tanahashi. And then Osprey gets COVID. So now we got Tanahashi in a title match or a title contender match and no opponent. Well, that's when Ishii, Tomohiro Ishii gets in. And Tanahashi Ishii is a classic every time you see it. Tanahashi, for people that are not big New Japan people, I've said this in the past, I would say he is kind of the Shawn Michaels slash John Cena slash RKO. Just the uh, the go-to guy, they, they just, every time you need a big spot, a big match, you just look at him and go, you got another one in you? Of course you do. Uh, Tanahashi beats Ishii. Fantastic match. Uh, Tanahashi is just that good. And then in, in the end, um, Juice Robinson comes down and attacks Tanahashi. Apparently, Juice Robinson is now part of the Bullet Club. Uh, I thought that was great. I thought that's a, a great thing for him to do. We have not seen Juice in a while. A lot of people speculated maybe he was coming to the States. Nope. Stays in Japan. He's in, in Juice Robinson. He is a fantastic talent. He is one of the last hand-picked prospects that Dusty Rhodes was working with down at NXT. And uh, WWE didn't know what to do with him once Dusty left. Dusty knew he was going to be a star, so Juice went to Japan and become a star. Uh, Impact Wrestling, as I said, Slammiversary is coming up on June 19th in a couple weeks. Uh, the Honor No More Bullet Club stuff needs to eventually come to a head because it's starting to be repetitive, and it's, uh, they kind of mis- mismatched the way they put these together. Uh, the main thing I want to talk about is Eric Young versus Josh Alexander. As good as that's going to be, that's for your world title, Eric Young needs to win that. Josh Alexander is a good wrestler, good performer. I just I don't get it. But the thing that makes the most sense, as loaded as their knockouts division is, which is their women's division, for people who don't know, Masha Slamovich taking out Havoc. She's going to start taking out other people. She's kind of giving people the black dot. It's it's usually their photo with an X on it. But uh, the black dot, let them know they're next, that kind of thing. She's slowly, methodically taking people out. I think it's fantastic. Uh, Masha Slamovich, they are finally going to build her into a big-time contender and uh, it's, it's going to be fantastic. And, of course, Sammy Callahan has returned. He's going to breathe life into that heavyweight picture that has just kind of started to get stale a little bit. I'm hoping Eric Young does some stuff, but Sammy Callahan is the, the one that I think you, you build on going forward. Now, let's get into some MMA. Can we get into some MMA? Let's do some MMA. Bellator's next event is next weekend, I believe. I think it's next Friday.
it is great audio. I understand that, so I will keep trying to talk while this thing is supposedly supposed to load a page that was already loaded. There we go. Bellator 282, Friday, June 24th, actually. So we were a couple weeks away from that. That is uh, Usasi versus Eblen. That's going to be fun. That's, that's going to be real fun. So let's talk UFC. Lots of UFC stuff has happened since we last talked, but I am um, mainly going to talk about things that happened just recently. Uh, congratulations to Daniel, Daniel Cormier, who is going in the UFC Hall of Fame. Uh, he's, he's just fantastic. Daniel is, is a real gem of a human, and I'm so glad that he's getting recognized for having one of the more outstanding runs and careers not just of a lightweight or heavyweight, but uh, he he just he's the guy that was started as an alternate and has done nothing but win ever since. Let's see. There we go. All right, we know they got the event coming up this weekend, but let's talk a little bit about Volkov versus Jarzino Rosenstreet. Everyone thought this was going to be a big battle, and Alexander Volkov just reminds people to get out of his way. Rosenstrike is very good. Alexander Volkov threw, what, 21 strikes or something, and game over, 2 minutes and 12 seconds in, he's the winner. So when you start talking about the heavyweight picture and, and John Jones this and uh, gosh, what is the other guy that doesn't show up? Stipe. Stipe, you want to put Stipe in there? Great. You want to talk about Shuey guy? That's fine too. But uh, Volkov is telling everybody he ain't going nowhere. At 35-10-0, he's still a force. Absolutely a force moving forward. Um, what's the other fight? Uh, there was another one. Which one was it? I mean, Mopsar Evloev beating Dan Ige. I thought Dan Ige was going to win that, but uh, Mopsar, he's still 16-0. and 0. Decisions and decisions. I, I thought he won the fight. Um, I do think he needs some finishes to uh, stay big in the, in the featherweight, but at the end of the day, a win's a win, and uh, it was a great uh, uh, second main event. So let's move to this week. UFC 275. We're going to get Glover Teixeira, the uh, shouldn't-be-champ, as as people thought. Oh, he's uh, he's too old to... Uh, to challenge for the championship and uh, no he's he's not he's not good enough and okay and then he wins the belt because Glover Share is great guys he is great so at 33 7 and 0 here comes Yuri Prohaska who outside of the Glover story that has been fantastic Yuri Prohaska is the other great story in the light heavyweight division. He comes in at 28-3-1. and 
Now, this is how disrespectful the, the lines are. Is Yuri Prochaska is a minus 200, and Glover Teixeira is a plus 170. Yep, the challenger has the bigger, is, it is the favorite. We're going to get more into betting in the next couple weeks. That has a lot to do with some of the changes in this show coming soon. But the way I see this one here, yes, I pick Yuri to win, but it's not because I don't want Glover to be the champ. Uh, Glover deserves everything. The fact that he's getting a run on top towards the end of his career like this, he is still beyond good enough to be there. I just think Yuri Prochaska with his samurai way of, of doing things and all, I just feel like, he has the best opportunity to take that brass ring and run with it. So I'm taking Yuri Prohoshka in that one. We get the bullet to Valentino Shevchenko, a minus 625, almost disrespectful. But she is defending the women's flyweight against Talia Santos. Talia Santos has a chance to beat Valentino Shevchenko. I echo what the bad guy, Uncle Chael, said earlier this week. Uh, you've got to put Shevchenko in, in uncomfortable places. Uh, maybe back her into the fence. Maybe try... Uh, you know, you don't have to be a better striker to win with striking. You just have to uh, maybe punches and bunches. Maybe strategic shots. Maybe maybe you want to try to get her in some sort of submission. I wouldn't do that particularly. But you have to make Valentino, Valentina uncomfortable. And I think Talia Santos can do that. That being said, I'm taking the bullet to win that fight. In a rematch of the fight that got me back into fighting a couple years ago, Zhang Weili is going to take on Joanna Grzajtyk. I butchered her name, and I'm so sorry. Uh, this was the fight that got me interested in fighting again. Back during the, the lockdown, got back watching some UFC because it was one of the main things on, the only things on for a while. I saw this fight and was blown away how good these two are. And they went to war. I mean, the mouse, the goose egg there that was on uh, Joanna's forehead for, it was a hematoma or whatever they call it, it was... Wicked. It was wicked. Um, looks like the favorite is Zhang Wei Li at minus 165. This is basically a pick em. Anytime you're in the ones and on either side, if you're uh, minus one, insert two numbers. Plus one, insert two numbers. I got it as almost a 50-50, a coin flip. I think you should take Joanna in this one. I think uh, we saw Zhang Wei Li lose to... Uh, Thug Rose, I think that wasn't a slip. She said it was a slip. I don't think it was a slip. I think Rose caught her, and uh, I think it's in the head of Wei Lee. So I would take Joanna, who has done nothing but train since uh, her last loss. And uh, that, that could be a main event any other time there wasn't the women's flyweight and the light heavyweight title on the line. Uh, fourth match on the main card was Jero Bontorin. He's going to take on Manel Kett. The flyweight division, I say take Rogero in that one. I don't know a lot about these fighters. Uh, I know that Manel is the slight favorite at minus 230, plus 190 for Rogero. I don't know that I would bet on that particular one. Uh, I do think Rogero is going to win. And then lastly, Jack Della Maddalena 
is a slight favorite at minus 160 over Ramazan Amiv at plus 135. Uh, Jack's a good fighter. I've seen him fight a handful of times now. I don't know a lot about Ramazan, but I do know that those, if he's one of the Dagestani fighters, that crew of them over there, then uh, he is uh, he is hard to stop. I'm going to take Ramazan in that particular fight. Other fight, I mean, there's Brandon Allen's fighting, uh, Sangwoo Choi, Josh Kilbao, uh, Andre Fielo is fighting. Ling Na versus Silvana Gomez Juarez. That's going to be really good. This this is their pay per views are always stacked. That by far is uh, completely stacked. Now we have on pretty good authority that next Friday the PFL four, the first one in Atlanta. That's the light lightweights and the light heavyweights. We have it on pretty good authority that. The guy talking right now may be there. We are uh, finalizing some details. Hopefully, able to work that out. Look forward to being there. Uh, in the off chance it doesn't happen, we'll still be covering live from uh, from the studio here. But let me just read down the matches that are going to be that first week. Uh, Bruno Miranda versus Nate Jennerman. Classic. Uh, Martin Hamlet versus Joshua Silvera. Victor Pesta versus Robert Wilkinson. Emiliano Sordi versus Delon Monti. Nathan Schulte versus Marcin Held. Then we get into the main card. Omari Akhmedov versus Theodorus Arkstulis. That's going to be fun. Those two are going to go to war. Jeremy Stevens, you guys remember him from UFC. He, uh, he's behind the eight ball here because he has zero points with uh, only this last fight to go. He takes on Miles Price. They're both trying to uh, see the six through ten. The bottom side of the card is on ESPN+. Plus. All these are on ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. Uh, Jeremy Stevens, Miles Price, as I said. Olivier Aubon Mercier, is gonna, the Canadian, is going to take on Brazilian Roush Monfio. Monfio. Sub-main event, or co-main event, I'd rather, Antonio Carlos Jr. versus Bruce Sauto. And then we get Clay Collard versus Alexander Martinez. I'm so excited to see uh, Clay Collard fight live and Antonio Carlos Jr. and Roush Monfio. It's going to be epic. It's, it's going to be so, so good. I, I can't wait. Um, tune in, like I said, ESPN, ESPN Plus. I can go ahead and tell you that, uh, hey, we got A-Rod now on the board of directors. He doesn't invest in dumb things. He knows what he's doing investing-wise. He wants to be a part of this PFL. You've got, you know, it's kind of, you know, in one corner, it's, it's the ultimate triple threat. Right now, if you are a fighter, you want to be in one of three places. You could argue some others, but you'll be one through places. Obviously, UFC. Then there's Bellator. Then there's PFL. PFL, it didn't come out of nowhere. It is built, it built organically. They are continuing to build it in the right way, continue to do so many good things. They're going to be in Atlanta for three days. If you get a chance, get some tickets. Um, 
let's see, let me find, I, I had a promo code where you can get, I think, money off your tickets. It is, there it is. It is, where is that promo code? I want to save you some money. I want to see you there. If I want to be there covering it live, I want to see you guys there. It is not going to show me. Try this one more time. I don't know, this promo code, look at the promo code. If you get like 20% off or something like that, uh, I don't know why it's not wanting to load up. Probably because I'm trying to get it to. But uh, either way, I can already tell you, that's PFL 4. PFL 5 is going to be the heavyweights and the featherweights. And then PFL 6, you're going to get the welterweights and the women's lightweights. That would be Kayla Harrison. That's everybody wanted to know. Week 6. But... Getting to see Ray Cooper the the third or second or Ray Cooper. Getting to see these people that you've only seen on TV. You need to go see these people. That's why, like I said, hopefully we get the chance to cover them there live. We want to see you there. Get your tickets. Absolutely, get your tickets. Uh, as I said. Week four of the PFL, that's that's the lightweights and the light heavyweights. I just told you the card there. Featherweights and heavyweights are the 24th and then June the 1st. These are all Friday nights. Uh, you get the welterweights and the women's lightweights. Those are going to be spectacular. But, and then the playoffs, of course, uh, August 5th, 13th, and 20th. Remember how the PFL works is you basically get two regular season fights. Uh, if you get a straight-up standard decision win, I think you get three points. If you lose, you get zero points. If you, I think, get DQ'd, you get negative points. And based on how you win, as long as it's not a decision, and based on what round you want in, you get extra points towards that. You can get up to, like, six or seven points. The top four point-getters go into a tournament where one, plays, one fights four, two fights three. Winners of those face. You get a trophy. You get a million dollars. It's a great format. I love it. You should love it. But that's going to do it for us this week. Shout out to all you amazing people who make it so much fun to come on here and talk MMA, pro wrestling, combat sports in general. I'm so excited. Uh, obviously, we'll have a show before next Friday. We will uh, talk more PFL right then. But I'm Jeremy the Impact York. This has been Strong Style. We will see you guys next week. Deuces, gooses.